Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to episode 10 of Maybe Baby. I'm Kate Lawler. I'm Bodge. And she's Nutschke. Nutschke. Anyone else have more than one name for their unborn child? We've gone from poop nugget to nugget to Nutschke. Where did that come from? Uh, well, my mum's got these Czech names for us, like little cute Czech. My mum's Czech, obviously. She's just... Yes, everybody knows your mum is Czech. Okay, I didn't know if you know from previous episodes that my mum's not from here. She is from the Czech Republic. So anyway, my name in Czech, like a cute name, would be Martineczko. And oh. my sister is Evička. So Nutschki is a totally made-up word, and I don't think even a Czech name. But we thought it sounded cute in that kind of vein. She doesn't call me anything cute. When you get around there, she says Martineczko, and I yeah. don't get anything. Because she doesn't like you. No, she calls me Puchinko. Oh, Pusinko. That means, like, sweetie. Okay, I do feel loved. Um, I do think Nutschke sounds a bit like an Eastern European footballer. Do you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Nutschke on the left-hand side. What a pass to Modric. Heads the ball back to Nutschke. Modric. <laughs> Can't I have to stop you there. He stopped me mid-flow. Also, Modric is Croatian. Why yeah. don't you do a Czech footballer? Because I don't know any. Poborski. The, the, Poborski? Yeah. Nutschke on the left-hand side passes it to Poborski. What's his name? Poborski. Nutschke on the left-hand side passes it to Poborski, who heads it back to Nutschke. Nutschke... <laughs> <laughs> Nutschke shoots, Nutschke scores, the Czech Republic are through to the semi-finals of the World Cup. That deserves a bloody effect. Wrong one. There you go. I, I thought you weren't meant to exert yourself now when you're pregnant in your third trimester. <laughs> you're sweating, you're visibly sweating from that. I wonder how that sounded far inside my stomach. Do you think she's like, what on earth is going on? It'll be there? like this, it'll go... <laughs> she thinks you're being kidnapped. She's panicking. <laughs> she's like no this is it i'm not even gonna make it out of here alive brilliant (laughs) that's exactly how it must sound to her poor thing anyway with just over 10 weeks to go until the arrival of nutschke she scores we wanted to speak to somebody who's had both a spontaneous birth and an elective abdominal birth why yeah. are you looking at me like that? No, it's fine. We can call them what you want. Spontaneous. Yeah. Just came out of nowhere. What do you mean? Like magic. <laughs> what do you mean? Just birth. Like spontaneous birth makes it sound so completely ra- unexpected. So you'd rather me say vaginal? Say whatever you want. I'm well, over it. Well, I'm over it. I've, got, I've internalised well, my words. when somebody says, how's Kate going to give birth? Are you going to say... Out the sunroof. Are you going to say out the sunroof? I'm going to say... I'm still saying C-section. No, you're not in front of me. You're not sunshine. <laughs> See this banana, right? 
I like you remember the banana and the apple next to it would hurt me a lot more. <laughs> Listen, we we are getting very distracted by fruits and veg. This is what happens when you record a podcast in your kitchen. Look, we wanted to speak to somebody, or I did at least, um, somebody who'd had a spontaneous birth and then an elective abdominal birth. Because growing up, I never wanted children. Really? As you might. That was a surprise. As you might well know, if you listen to the first series of this podcast. The idea of having children was one thing, but the idea of allowing one to headbutt its way out my vag scared me senseless. Oosh. What are your thoughts on childbirth, on spontaneous births? So, honest thoughts, I think giving birth a natural way, the human body hasn't really adapted at all for this traumatic experience because animals in the wild can just give birth and, and then they go, right? But the human body, it's, it's quite traumatic. So, actually, where science comes in is with a abdominal birth, the abdominal surgery birth, whatever you want to call also it. Also just medicine. Like years yeah. ago, there wasn't epidural. Also, if you gave birth and lost a lot of blood, you would just die. So yeah. So that's where science kind of fills the gap. But I think it's, I mean, it's entirely up to the women. I'm just glad I don't have to do it, if I'm honest. I'd love to watch you give birth. Can you imagine? Oh, if you grew a baby and pushed it out of your bum. Uh, what's the film again? What is that film with Arnie? With Arnie when he's pregnant. Due date? See, I always get confused between twins and kindergarten cop, but it's neither of those, is it? No, it's not. That was peak, those. Peak, peak Arnie. Could have been twins, though. Could have been pregnant <laughs> with twins. What is that film called? Junior. Junior. 1994. Yes. I've not watched that. Should we watch it tonight? You've not watched Junior? Have you? Yeah. I've never seen it. Oh, it's so bad. It's good. <laughs> okay. We'll watch it tonight. Anyway. Back to the podcast. Back to the podcast. At 40, I finally felt ready to, you know, take the plunge, try for a baby. However, childbirth does remain. Um, it remains one of my biggest fears. Yeah. Can't explain why I feel like I do. But if you want to go deep... I am just scared. I'm scared that I'll die during labour. I'm scared my baby will die. The not knowing how painful or traumatic it's going to be, how long I'll be in labour, the uncertainty of whether uh, I'll face complications or even an emergency C-section. You get these ideas, don't you? Everyone does in your head and then you just settle on it and then it's very hard to break that. Yeah, in my head, I've always imagined it to be the worst experience ever. I've never imagined it to be a positive um, or magical or empowering experience, just how I feel. Yeah. So Nothing wrong with that, though. Luckily, we live in an era of science where the option is there if you feel that way. So just that one small part, the birth, that you don't want to do it that way doesn't stop you having the benefit of having a child. I know. Imagine if there was only one way. I, de- I definitely... We wouldn't be here. Probably not, no. I don't think... God, I think I'd... there would have been too many mountains to climb with you. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, hearing this week's guest talk about her experience of both birth options was really useful. So if you have a fear of childbirth or you're pregnant and you're still undecided which kind of birth you want to have, hopefully it'll help you too. All right, this week's guest is a presenter, podcaster, actress, author and an expert in parenting from what we can see. Uh, She joins us today to talk about birth options and as someone who's had both a vaginal birth and an elective C-section, there's literally nobody better to ask. Her podcast, Luana alongside Louisa Zisman, features in their own words, rants, bants and no holds barred chats. So we're hoping for a healthy dose of honesty here because frankly, we still haven't got a clue what to expect. Mother to four-year-old Enzo and soon to be one-year-old Eleonora, we are so happy she's managed to make time for us because she really is the busiest of butterflies. It's the amazing Anna Williamson. Oh my 
God, can I just say, Kate, can you please just write my uh, agent's CV? Because <laughs> that was one hell of a fantastic um, intro. Hi, guys. I mean, I'm so pleased to be on your pod. And I, I must correct you, though, the parenting expert. Um, I mean, thanks. I've just managed to eject two children from my uh, withered body. Um, that's, about, that's about as expert as it gets. And can I also be completely juvenile when anyone ever says vaginal? I still snigger <laughs> like a 12 year old. <laughs> I know. I hate saying it as well. Well, Kate said to me yesterday, yeah, she went, don't call it a natural birth, call it a vaginal birth. I'm like, okay. Just <laughs> well, tell. this is it. You can't say natural. Yeah, it's all very, you know, the, the Karens will be out. The, you know, you can't, you can't do it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us on Maybe Baby. How are you this morning? How are the kids today? Yeah, we're, we're not bad. Thanks, guys. We're not bad. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm delighted that this is an audio medium, not vision, <laughs> because um, up until, honestly, about nine minutes ago, I was rocking my slightly stained dressing gown. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and our lovely childmind uh, came to, to look after the two little scallywags. And so I, I literally legged it into, well, I was going to say the shower. We live in a granny house. We're do, about to do a renovation. Mm. So we only have a bath. Okay. And oh. I do like a bath, but I like a bath at nighttime. It's yeah. not quick, is so it? It's not quick. No. So you've got to quickly hop in the old tub. And something about being a mother and, and, and Kate, I don't know, I don't know where you are right now with, well, I know you were halfway through, aren't you, the pregnancy? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know where you are with, with the, I'm just going to stick it out there with, with body odor. I mean, have you Ooh. seen an increase in it yet? Here we go. I'll let you answer that question. I, I, I haven't. I haven't. I can't. There's more farting and burping, but there's no more. Um, oh, it's so BO. embarrassing. I could, yeah, so, no, no. The farting's fair game. So I've never, <laughs> ever trumped in front of the handsome on purpose, which is something I don't feel comfortable doing. You can imagine my horror when now mm. I'm just, I can't even control it. When, when you do it, I then go, well, this is carte blanche, isn't it? So uh, I will fart back. <laughs> I mean, like you needed an excuse. You've always done it. It's fart wars, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know, you're, you're always going to lose now because a pregnant woman's fart uh, is is quite frankly lethal. It's up there. I mean, Kate, I, I know this. I know this firsthand because I was captured uh, on more than one episode of Slebs Go Dating, the show that I co-host. Yeah, farting in my late pregnancy. And- and, and I was, you know, what, I was c- c- cursing the editors, um, and they did, they did uh, send me a message, and they were like, "We're just cutting, you know, episode whatever. Um, you, you are breaking wind in it. Just want to check that's not going to send you into some pregnant woman hissy fit." And I laughed because those cameras in the Slevsko dating agency are constantly rolling for eight hours a day. Yeah. I love the happens. idea that someone's going to. So, any tips on dating? You go well. <laughs> Yeah, so I think maybe um, look at what you're wearing. That's literally how that whole series went. And in the end, I just I just couldn't even be bothered to excuse myself. I mean, there I am telling celebrities to behave themselves, have manners, have etiquette, have decorum. And there I am as their coach, sitting there cracking one off right in front of them. <laughs> they can't do you for it, you're pregnant. Uh, before we get on to my birth plan, we'd love you to tell us about both of your births. Let's start with your first. How you imagined it would be with Enzo was giving birth vaginally, something you'd always dreamt about. Yeah, and talking to someone who is currently pregnant at the moment as well, it's always an interesting one because it's weird how I can look back uh, kind of with rose-tinted glasses over that birth. And it's, mm. it's nuts because I would totally do it again. I want to do it again, but perhaps not quite that birth. But when I, when <laughs> I, had, when I got pregnant with Enzo, like I say, we, were, we got married. We were, we were very fortunate. We, um, I was sort of approaching that horrific 
uh, they give you that that label when you're 35 and over of a geriatric mother, um, which is that's me. Bonkers. That's you. <laughs> Welcome to the geriatric world, babe. Thanks, it's such a lovely club to be in, isn't it? Um, isn't it? <laughs> but um, but we got pregnant quite quickly after our honeymoon, and I'd sort of went, oh, we, we better get trying just in case it takes a while. Uh, well, it only took a couple of months, and we're, we're very lucky. So I got pregnant, um, but I, you know, without banging on about it too much, and unless it's interesting for anyone, but I, I, I harp on, on on many other platforms about it. But uh, I, I was diagnosed years ago with generalized anxiety disorder mm. um, with depression, uh, which I've managed. I'd managed really well for, for years, and I got pregnant with with him, but I was on a low dose of uh, anti-anxiety medication, of which right. I was ill-advised to come off very quickly, and. Uh, long story short, I, I sort of free-falled into uh, an, another uh, wallop, really, of, of anxiety. But I, I didn't know it was that. I thought it was my hormones, um, right. and actually it wasn't. It was it was very much my anxiety disorder raging. So um, I actually had what is now called perinatal anxiety. And then ramping up to, to, to the birth, I mean, and I, and I really wanted a vaginal birth, um, a natural birth, <laughs> whatever we call it, because I think, I think you are generally pushed in that direction. And I have friends of mine and family members who are midwives. And I, I, I am very pro whatever works, quite frankly, and having had both experiences now. But I really wanted to have that natural birth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did that, that classic thing I think that most first-time parents do. We, we, we did every NCT class, we did antenatal classes. We signed up for hypnobirthing. But I went, I went very late into my pregnancy. Um, I think first pregnancies tend to go over. And I, was, uh, I gave birth at nearly 42 weeks, so obviously 42 weeks pregnancy. Oh, my God, that last sort of 11 days was just... Oh. Isn't that as late as you can get? Yeah, that's so I was put in for induction actually the day after I naturally went into labor. And mm-hmm. I say naturally went into labor, there was nothing goddamn natural about that labor, let me tell you. <laughs> um, and also, this is another thing, I don't know if any of your other guests have said this, but and I'm really, really pleased you've gone in for an elective C section for this sole reason. When you go over, in fact, not even that, when you've hit 37 weeks, yeah, every bugger under the sun thinks they're the only person that sends you a WhatsApp message every day going, is it here yet? Is it here yet? <laughs> now, when you are, let me tell you, when you are 10 days overdue in the heat of summer oh, gosh. and you've got 25 people before 9am messaging you going, is it here yet? You literally want to throw that phone at a wall <laughs> and stab people in the face with a pitchfork. I'll bloody um, send you a WhatsApp when it's here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you then become really facetious going, oh, yeah, sorry, did I not tell you? The baby's here. I just forgot to tell everybody. Yeah. You, 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 you are in that really arsy phase where you hate the world, especially the person that impregnated you, by the but way. It's like when you don't have a job, though, and you, people see you and they go, oh, how's the job hunt going? You're going, yeah, brilliant. I've got a job. I would have just told you. So <laughs> thanks for reminding me. I'm like, Anything in the pipeline? Anything in the pipeline? Anything in the pipeline. And you just want to literally, I mean, if I could have been witty enough or asked enough to make a T-shirt with, (laughs) no, I haven't had the mother effing baby, I really would have done. Um, But I went into natural labor. I remember I woke up and at this point I was sleeping on our sofa bed in our lounge because uh, nothing was comfortable. The the sight and breathing of my husband sleeping was enough to... (laughs) Uh, so anyway I was sleeping on the sofa bed and I remember waking up in the morning at like 5am and just feeling these sort of what could only be described as you know those like ab belt things that you used to get oh, yeah. the, you know no. like those yeah. oh my god I no? had that for about four weeks because I thought I'd lazily get a six pack it's really <laughs> weird yeah. yeah it was really Love. shit did it work 
<laughs> Absolutely uh, not, because of all the um, fat on top of it. That was the main problem. <laughs> oh, well, let's just be fat. It's fun. But yeah, I woke up and, uh, and felt what could only be described as intermittent kind of sort of pains, but they were all in my lower back. Um, got th- terribly excited, woke my husband up. It started. I think it started. Um, times then they were like every 10 minutes. I was like, yes, I think natural labor starting. You know, he got, he's, he at the time was a personal trainer. He got terribly excited, cancelled his whole day of clients. We sat there on the sofa waiting. We got to 7 a.m. and obviously nothing was happening. So we, we jumped the gun a little bit early on that because, uh, you know, that labor in fact took 40 hours. Um, oh, but I know it was awful. Um, so, but, but what, what, what nobody told me in all of this vast amounts of NCT and antenatal and hypnobirthing classes, no one had told me about a back-to-back labor, which is where you, well, I never had a frontal period pain-like contraction, which is what we're all trained to brace for. All of my pain was in my back and I won't lie to you, it was bloody painful. And it really freaked me out because it wasn't what I was expecting. And mm. I think for months I'd been bracing myself for this horrific period pain and I didn't get it it was all in my back um and I had a back-to-back labor which uh traditionally is a lot more painful apparently it's a lot more it's a lot longer and eventually went into hospital but all kinds of weird and wonderful and rather unpleasant things happened um and eventually um I I gave birth with help with forceps and an episiotomy in theater which wasn't the best part of it all, and then I, I, you know, I, I suffered a hemorrhage as well, and uh, and it, it wasn't. A, I, I describe it as the best, no, the worst best day of my life because it, yeah. it should have been the best day of my life having my my beautiful baby boy, uh, but it was it was up there with probably the you know up there with my grandma's death in in fun factor. So um, it, it wasn't great. Um, the recovery was was pretty physically was was actually not too bad funnily enough mm. considering I felt like someone had, had punched me in the vag but um it was more the mental the mental side of things I, I spiraled then into in, into sort of PTSD birth trauma uh, yeah. but, but you know it, I'm, I don't want it to be all dual drums you know but it, it's the reality of it for some people and mm. let's not forget I'd already got this anxiety disorder raging that hadn't been treated throughout the, the pregnancy but I did get help and I, I went on to medication uh, I stopped breastfeeding um, which was actually a really good thing for me because it took the pressure off me. And uh, I started to get well again. And, and you know, it, it took a while, I'm not going to lie. It took me a while. and um, yeah. But I did. And I love my little boy so much uh, now. And uh, it was a love I have for him that made me want to do it all again, but do it in a very different way. Yeah. So actually, that's what I was going to ask because there'll be parents out there who might be kind of suffering something similar or pregnant women. Mm. Is there anything you could have, like looking back, that you could have done to have kind of, I, I don't know, nipped it in the bud is probably the wrong phrase, but mm. to kind of have helped yourself in that situation if you had known what was going to happen? It's a really great question, actually. I think for me, I should have just taken the pressure off myself. I think we are perhaps sold this dream of what a perfect birth should be Mm. and the more and more research and work I've done in this area in the four years of being a mum you know I've never been more convinced that you know birth is and it's such an obvious thing to say but it is so unique and I think as parents we carry around so much negativity about if our birth hasn't gone the way we wanted it to go Mm. and I think just what I would say to myself now and what I have have done is is accept that that was just the way my son came into this world yeah um you know I call it sounds really cheesy but I call him my warrior baby I call (laughs) Eleonora my medicine baby because she kind of made things better but my warrior baby because it was bloody hard work to get him out but come out he did and I'm a stronger person for it and would I change his birth 
yes, in a way, but equally almost not because I got through what was a pretty rubbish time and I've come out to live the other side. So I think I would just say, look, whatever way your birth goes, don't ever measure it against anyone else. Don't ever feel you have to, because I I carried around a lot of negativity about myself for being a bit, I used to say to myself and I said to my consultant second time around, oh, I'm just a bit crap at giving birth. And that's a horrible thing to say. Exactly. Isn't that that a horrible thing to say? And I don't believe that anymore. But because I'd had a forceps delivery and I I couldn't push him out myself, Mm. I carried around this sort of negativity of, oh, great, you know, you know, bloody hell body, you know, you let me down. And I really had to change that way of of thinking, actually, and thinking, no, how, you know, how dare you say that, Anna, actually, your body grew a baby, made a baby, did get a baby out, you're massively, you know, skipping around, everything's healed and gone back to normal again. Um, And I, I had to really, I had to really rethink that. And I think that's what I would say to other people in that situation. If it doesn't go the way you want it to go, just give yourself a bloody break, seriously. It really upsets me, actually, when women, I see it a lot, but like when women say they were disappointed with themselves or that they were crap at giving birth or they they felt like a failure because their birth didn't go the way they visualise. And this has to stem from social pressure that, that's put on women now more than ever, that we should push our baby out of our vaginas. We should do it drug-free with no pain relief. But mm. I think if you grow a human for nine months and you mm. try and be the best mum that you can possibly be, the birth is such a tiny part of the process. It really shouldn't matter how mm. your baby is born. How long did it take you to get past that feeling of disappointment that you had after Enzo was born? honestly a good couple of years it actually well well no I didn't I had a birth I'd really recommend this to anyone that is perhaps struggling with any feelings around birth or or their particular birth most maternity units if you if you birth in the hospital have a birth reflections um service so it's basically a a counseling service with the with the head midwife at that birthing unit and they've got all your notes on file Um, and I think for me I because I was in and out I've oh god I'd more drugs than flipping Ronnie Wood I tell you um (laughs) But I, I, but it's a really great service because my birth was really patchy. So if you actually ring up your triage and ask and say you've given birth, they keep your notes on file uh, in hospital for a year up until you've given birth. But then they will all go into archives. So they will always be there because I actually recently accessed my birth notes from four years ago for my birth I've recently had. So my consultant could, could have a little look and see what went on. And actually, it was, that was really cathartic. So that was six months after I'd given birth to him. And I went into the hospital and I sat down in there side room and that was also really important for me to go back into the labor ward to go back to the scene of the of the birth and they talked me through the whole procedure what went what went on what decisions were made why those decisions were made and actually that that was a really good healing process because it wasn't until I'd read those notes and then actually my consultant on my birth I recently had he talked me again through those notes because he wanted to see how he could you know guard against hemorrhaging and things like that and, uh, and but even then, I thought I'd shaken it off, actually, and because it, it, it massively helped me after mm. the birth. So massive, honestly, it was really cathartic. It really made helped me make peace with the birth. But perhaps I was carrying a little bit still of negativity because when I'd had my consultant appointment for the elective cesarean that I, I went and had 10 months ago, uh, we were reading through the birth notes and I said, oh, I don't think I was very good at the pushing stage, ha, ha, ha. You know, and he went, actually, he said, it says here, to the contrary. Um, I said, what? And he basically told me and I, I didn't know I was still obviously carrying this little nugget of a of a feeling somewhere because he said no it says here you actually successfully pushed him four fifths out he wow. said it was, i know i know right and he goes and it wasn't until i go tingly even now thinking of it, it makes emotional and he went and he goes it wasn't until the very end he said 
there was absolutely no way you were going to get him out. He said, because his head had turned and he was looking up like he was, his chin was in the air, if that makes yeah. sense. He was tucked under. He went, there is no way you could have got the circumference of his head through your a vagina. Um, <laughs> so, so he said, there's absolutely no way you could have burst him without having that forceps delivery. Uh, he said, but you did all the hard work. You got him four fifths out. And he said, I'm not even being nice. And you know what? I sat there and I felt as pleased as punch. Good. Um, and like we say, it shouldn't matter. But actually, I, I did. I sat there and went, oh, yeah, do you know what? <laughs> it wasn't in vain. You know, getting piles and an anal fissure as a result of pushing him out actually wasn't. Four wasn't bits, all, baby. All, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, it was really nice to hear. That's such a great service as well offered by the NHS, the birth reflection. I didn't know what it was, but like that must help really when so many women have like, you know, been left traumatised by what they've been through. It must be really helpful to talk through your experience, right? It's really important. Yeah. And I, I say this to everyone and if people don't don't uh, you know know it exists. And it was a really good experience. I sat there with my mom, who was equally a bit traumatized about yeah. what had gone on. Because at the time we didn't know why certain decisions had been made. And and that's fair enough. You're in theatre, uh, mm. you know, a, a maternity ward has one criteria. We want an, a, an alive mother and an alive baby. It literally yeah. comes down to that. Um, so they will do what is necessary to do that. And actually talking it through, having a really good cry with a box of tissues and the senior midwife talking me through what happened and also reassuring me that my body was perfectly capable to go on to have another baby naturally if I wanted to again. Yeah. Um, was really really nice and it was a really nice experience to be able to heal from what was actually quite a traumatic experience (laughs) and obviously it didn't it didn't put you off enough to try for another baby I want to talk more about your decision to have a c-section I was going to ask actually if you were advised to do it because of the complications you had with Enzo at what point into your into your pregnancy with Eleanor, did you decide to have a C-section? So, well, this is it. So I'll be honest, my husband and I always wanted to have three kids because we are both one of three. We, we, my husband's Italian, Aww. he's a big families and all of that. Um, but then we had Enzo and it was such a, uh, you know, traumatizing experience really for us both. Then we got good, then we got well, and this is good. <laughs> We're just about getting there now. And my, my boy is my absolute world. He's my Achilles heel, still is. Um, <laughs> and But we, we had really genuinely thought uh, up until he was just gone two years old, that we were actually going to rethink this, and perhaps we were just going to be a one parent, fam- a one one child family. Um, I just didn't want to go through that again. I, I felt that responsibility for Enzo. I, he couldn't have an unwell mum again. Um, my husband was like, I can't have a wife that's you know batshit crazy again. You know, we we can't do this. And then it was actually Enzo that um, that really kind of did it because he was at nursery and he started asking for a sibling and my husband and I were like, do you think we can? And I was like, well, you know what? I'm really enjoying motherhood now. You know, this, this sort of feels like I'm, it's not easy, but I, I feel like I'm, you know, I, I enjoy it as an, I love him. Yeah. Maybe we could do it again. And I said, well, if we're going to do it again, we are doing it <laughs> a whole new way. I said, I don't want anything the same as my previous experience. Yeah. Um, and over the, over those years, I'd, um, cause I do an awful lot of work in, in mental health. I'd, I'd really got to know very well the, uh, perinatal mental health teams that every borough has, um, which are there to NHS, uh, which are there to support, uh, mothers, uh, mentally, uh, in, in pregnancy and post birth rupture a year. And I'd got to know one of the consultant psychiatrists really well, Dr. Cohen, who's, uh, part of, who heads up the Hertfordshire team and, uh, and some of London, I believe. And she'd always said to me, if you want to have another baby, talk to me and we'll, we'll reassess how, how you can do things and I can help you and, and, and you know, we can, I can act as your advocate. 
So I, it was a bit, um, it wasn't very sexy or romantic. I mean, is, is trying for a baby sexy or romantic? Not really, but <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest, conception sex is the worst sex we're ever going to have. Um, <laughs> we tried yeah. to make it sexy. Waggle those ankles. <laughs> it right. Get that up in it. the air. Cycle those legs. Yeah. Let gravity um, do 50% of the work. Yeah. Um, but I, um, so I went to see her and I said, look, I'm, I, I'm on low dosage anxiety medication to manage my, my uh, mental health, which I'm very happy with. It works. Um, I'm scared of coming off that. And she was great. And we had a preconception uh, appointment where I basically talked through what the options could be if I were to get pregnant again. Right. And she was great. She really reassured me that, you know, medication is actually, it's, it's come on in leaps and bounds. And the mentality around that, uh, I know it's, it's very, very, it has to, it has to be a, a person-centered approach. It has to be, you know, we can't mm. be this blanket one size fits all. And she said, our, our goal will be happy mum, happy baby, and, and we'll do what it takes. So I felt really reassured, uh, went away, um, actually took seven, eight months to get pregnant with Eleonora, but we, you know, had a two and a half year old interrupting us so it wasn't exactly <laughs> <laughs> I really think about that you should have said you want a sibling you're going to have to stand, stand outside for this one <laughs> <laughs> exactly right so we got pregnant um, uh, and I, I found out I was pregnant with her and immediately shat my pants um, I, like, my, my initial reaction on, on peeing on the stick was yay honestly about one minute later was panic attack I actually had a panic attack on the loo because yeah, because when you have an anxiety disorder, you, you constantly live in this state of fight or flight. And suddenly being pregnant with a little little being inside me was the most claustrophobic feeling ever because it was like, shit, there's no going back. My husband just couldn't understand it. He was like, but but you said you wanted this baby. And I was like, I do, but now I'm crapping myself. So I rang up I rang up my doctor um, and I, she, she pulled over on the M1. Uh, and I, <laughs> the first person I told, and I just went... It's happened. I'm pregnant. And she went, congratulations. Uh, and I was like, I think so. And she and I went, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I can't, I can't do this again. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she was like, Anna, the good news is we have nine months to work on this and plan it and sort it out. Uh, so she was great. She really calmed me down. And, uh, and it was it, immediately. So I went in. Uh, they, were, they were brilliant. The NHS were amazing. They, I kind of got extra appointments they put you on the, the amount of appointments you get that if you're having a first pregnancy okay um, and I went in and, and this is the thing because I don't know I, I'm interested to know actually with your elective um are you doing NHS or private yes NHS okay so I was armed up because I you hear all these stories of you have to fight quite hard to get an NHS elective um so I went into my appointment with my doctors and my midwives who know me really well they were all the same people that had done the first birth so they all knew what had gone on and yeah. gone wrong uh, and I went in all bristling with this sort of alpha mama uh, for my 10-week appointment. I went, right, let's talk about your birth plan. I went, right, just so we're clear. And I was like, <laughs> just so we're clear, I will be having an elected cesarean. because." And I was like a right knob. I was quoting the NICE guidelines because the NICE guidelines say that it is a woman's human right to have an uh, elected cesarean uh, if they so choose. And they must choose a consultant that will agree to it, blah, blah, blah. Well, I went into all of this guff, didn't I? And they all just sat there, looked at me, smiled and went, we were going to suggest exactly the same thing. Brilliant. I went, oh, okay. I went, oh, so I went, so you can get down with your bloody high horse, Anna. We think that's the right decision as well. Considering everything you've gone through, control is going to be the, the biggest part for you. But then as my midwife pointed out, she went, you never make things easy for us because uh, Eleanor's <laughs> due date was uh, New Year's Eve. Now, as you will probably know, for an elective cesarean, they give birth 39 weeks. 
So what's 39 weeks? It's Christmas Day. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, what's the two days of the year they close the elective list? <laughs> Christmas Day and Boxing Day. I didn't know that. Yes, they do. So obviously, emergencies will obviously go ahead at that time, uh, you know, obviously not to freak anyone out. But um, but what they will then do with electives is they push you either side. So you'll either go a few days earlier or a few days after. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously a busy time because you're having to, to shove those electives in, you know, either side. And you've obviously got emergencies that will always quite rightly take precedent as well. So a huge part of my anxiety not rearing again was to have that level of control over the birth. The uncertainty was what was ramping up my, my disorder again. So we made a very bold decision. The NHS were fab. They said, we will do whatever we can to try and keep you on the day, on the right time slot that we will assign to you. But obviously, okay. we can't guarantee it. And that, of course, is fair enough. You can't guarantee that. Yeah. Um, you know, you just can't. It would be unfair on everyone to guarantee that, you know, managing expectation. So my husband and I made the very costly and bold decision. Um, for, well, God, that sounds awful. I'd say fortunately, my nana died. I don't mean fortunately she died. I love my <laughs> nana. It's like you can laugh. Um, but she had passed away, sadly, when I was eight weeks pregnant with Eleonora. And she, she left a little bit funny. And she knew how important uh, or how bad I'd had an experience before. And we decided to use some of the money she'd kindly left us to have a private birth. Because the private birth, and I rang up my consultant and I said, I was NHS. I had all my antenatal NHS. But I just li- we literally paid for the birth. That's all we paid for. And I rang him up and I said, can you guarantee me a day and a time to have this baby? And he said, yes, that's what you pay for. So I said, right, then you can have thousands of pounds to do that. And we agreed when I was 18 weeks pregnant, I got, again, the the hospital with Portland you went to was was really busy because it was Christmas and people fly in to have babies at the Portland. And I, and I said to him, I went, uh, listen, don't you be overcharging us. Thank you very much. We are not Meghan Markle. You know, you can't be, can't be, we are, we, you know, we don't have loads of cash. Thank you. You didn't get You're the like, VVIP package. Yeah. No. <laughs> I went, you give us the most bog standard package. <laughs> like my husband will have a put you up on the floor. That's fine. We don't, we don't need all of that. But anyway, they could guarantee it. So when I was 19 weeks pregnant, uh, they rang up the hospital and I had secured a slot for 9.30 a.m. on Saturday, the 21st of December at 38 plus five uh, was when I birthed and true to form I uh, gave birth at exactly that time and that date. I bet that did wonders for your anxiety no just knowing that that's when you were going to have the baby and that's it was all going to go to plan. Yeah there was naturally a little bit of apprehension around it and and you know having a c-section having gone through both it is not the easy option let me tell you I'd say they are equally as arduous but let's be honest a baby coming out your body is never going to be a cinch no. um, so it, but for me but for me from that day forwards yeah I could really relax and enjoy my pregnancy knowing mm. that I had this you know that was my birth date it was in my diary it was in my calendar and I really hung on to that and, and funnily enough actually when I went in on the day so we were admit you go in about three hours before surgery yeah um, I went in and my consultant came in and he and this is at half eight uh, ready to get scrubbed and stuff and and uh, he said oh when we are so busy then typically even, even for a private hospital like the Portland the morning we'd arrived they'd had probably the biggest amount of births they'd had all year the <laughs> night before but he did say he went but we have a lot of electives and, and c-sections coming in today he said actually the the head of I don't know whoever hospital boss uh, has actually asked if we could have could move your c-section to one o'clock today wow. And I literally went, Whoa, he went, calm down. Because I literally looked like I was about yeah. to faint. He went, I said, 
absolutely not. You're going to have to open up the emergency theatre for someone else because we aren't moving. So I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. He went, no, no, we've secured the slot. It's fine. Was your husband, I don't know, because I'm just trying to be in his shoes here. I would have gone 25% discount. We can move back to one. (laughs) Yeah. Deal. You know what? He totally, well, I would have grabbed his ghoulies and given him a sharp yank, I think, if he said that. um, That's so you to say that. No chance. But it was was just the most fat. And I'm so pleased that you've uh, you've opted for an elective. It was a very calm and very lovely experience. What were you doing, like, the day before your C-section? Because it's all planned. You just, can you just go shopping, get your hair done, get your nails done? Yeah, literally. The day before, I mean, it's an odd day, um, the day before, actually. Because I'd say the I'd say the few days before I suddenly went into this I was highly emotional I was crying my eyes out about Enzo not being my only child anymore and did I have enough love for another one um, I kept crying and like talking to my dead grandmas <laughs> asking them to keep me safe throughout the surgery you know I was going to this kind of you know I'm, I'm a bit emotional um, but it was it was a weird day yeah because uh, and I don't know what you guys are going to do so the night before um, we'd shipped off Enzo to my parents. So bear in mind, this is a few days before Christmas. We're sat in our house with, you know, the Christmas tree on and we were like, oh, okay. Uh, so we ordered a takeaway and, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, with my legs spread akimbo because that bump is big ass at that point. Yeah. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in my dressing gown and we sat and we ate a Turkish takeaway. And it's a really odd feeling because by midnight, you're not allowed to have anything to eat or drink. So we sort of had it. And then it was like, well, we best go to bed and get an early night it's, a <laughs> yeah. day it's weird isn't it and actually I remember going to a shop just my local farm shop where I live in a little village but that morning um because I was still driving and uh I just popped to go and get something a last minute panic buying I think for Christmas and uh as someone I saw a friend in there they were like oh, when, when's the baby due when she I knew I was having a girl when's she due and I was like uh tomorrow morning and that's a weird <laughs> thing <laughs> yeah to be like yeah tomorrow morning she'll be here oh that's odd um <laughs> So it You're was a little bit weird, guys. And then you wake up in the morning and that's a really bizarre feeling because it's mm. like, this is it. In three hours, I'm going to have a baby extracted from my stomach. It's a very <laughs> weird feeling. How long is it from walking into the theatre to the point yeah. where you're holding Eleonora? From being wheeled in from on the bed so you're all numb and ready to go. So like the anaesthetic takes about 10 minutes. Okay. So you sort of sit on the bed like in this little pre-area and they, you know, give you a little, that doesn't hurt by the way. It doesn't hurt at all. It's like anything, okay. but let's be honest, you know, when you have a flu jab or something like that, you get that little bee sting prick. Yeah. For me, it, it was no more. And I'm a bloody worse guys. Like proper, my pain threshold is really <laughs> low. For me to be able to sit in there and quite happily sit there and, you know, it lasts, what, two seconds, not even that. That's as they great. pop in a little, little but they, they put in the local anaesthetic first, you see. So see. you won't, you don't feel the big one um at all because they put a little one so it numbs the area so if you've ever been to the dentist and mm-hmm. had a, a local it's kind of that that's what you get right um how much is alex in there is he in there at this point the whole you? time like a, literally like a fart in a colander not having any <laughs> role at all yeah so he he's just watching you get plugged into the matrix basically having <laughs> one of those big like pipes oh god yeah. i think and i they... would struggle more than you would kate really <laughs> we're just watching that happen to you i know alex is yeah it's a really nerve-wracking experience because I know he he's I think he's found the burst probably worse than me in that sense <laughs> because and then obviously I was sitting there and then I burst into tears because I was all emotional <laughs> and then uh, my my anesthetist was like I'm going to give you what I call a little medical G&T which lovely. was it's a benzodiazepine which is basically you know just chills in the F out which was which was lovely and then they pop in the the, the main anesthetic let's use the word anesthetic which yeah. you don't feel 
Uh, it's a very, it is a strange feeling, feeling your legs go numb because they do feel very detached to your body. Um, and you, so you've got someone sort of moving your lower half around. So you're lying on the bed because you sit up for your anesthetic. Then they sort of spin you around and then they lie you down on, on the bed, the same bed that you're going to birth on. And so it does feel weird sort of seeing your legs be moved around like two big doner kebabs, um, which don't, don't really feel connected to you. Um, and you will feel numb from your boobs down. But you can move wow. your arms and everything else. So from your from your, from from just below your boobs down, you will you will be numb. And then you just get wheeled in, and it's very very chilled. And they were listening to the radio, and then they were like, "Do you want to put on your playlist?" And I was like, "In that, I had made one, but in that moment, I was like, I just want to get on with this." And really? uh, I, I felt a bit embarrassed, really, to have uh, you know the Christmas carols of kings blaring out on my playlist that I'd put on. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I, "What did you choose?" Yeah, I wanted was to it ask. all Christmas? <laughs> I felt on Christmas. <laughs> Just get Mariah on. I don't wanna. Oh God! I'd put on the Home Alone. You know the um, yes. All on your knee, oh holy night. Oh, I love the Home Alone soundtrack. Home Alone soundtrack and then honestly in that moment I was embarrassed and I was like what are you listening to they were like well it's up to you it's your birth and I was like no I don't want to fuss I just want you to get this baby out now so then you just wheeled in they put up this the screen in front of you like a big cloth um and then the cons- and then it's really lovely the anesthetist sort of sits by your head with the other half obviously with you there bod and they talk you through it and they're just keeping an eye on on, on you know your sats and they're just talking you through it and then my consultant was there with the rest of the team so you'll get um you get your midwife oh that's interesting you get a roll call when you get wheeled <laughs> in after anesthetic it is like you're like the star of the weirdest show in the world because then they're like right roll call everyone and then it's like hi my name's Sasha and I'm your scrub nurse my name is so-and-so and I'm your daughter um so they all sort of announce who they all are and then the screen goes up and then my consultant was like right I'm gonna you know in a moment I'm gonna make the incision and I'm gonna start the procedure of the birth so once then he was sort of plugged into that the anesthetist was then commentating for me and he was like do you want me to tell you what's going on or not uh and I was like within reason yes yeah um, so then out from- comes your bladder out comes your stomach <laughs> and yeah. joke was like and the final incisions well, I don't want to know anymore don't want to know yeah, anymore yeah, yeah. um Ooh, you don't yeah. feel a bloody thing Kate you don't feel a thing um and then and it, it's just a weird feeling of tugging is what I would it's just an odd feeling and then um from being wheeled in though from roll call to the baby being out not even 10 minutes it's that quick they're, they're, they're not like racing to like set new times, are they? They're like, oh, go on, go on out in four minutes. It doesn't take. I mean, you're going to be in there a lot longer. So they they basically start the incision process, um, and it's weird because you can sort of. I was like peeking over the top of the little curtain, and I could see my consultant, you know, with his little visor on, and all the lights are on. Obviously, you know, spotlight yeah. on your abdomen, and uh, you know, I could see him like deep in concentration. And you can see everyone's eyes are on your belly, but you can't see your belly. And so you can sort of see him and you can hear him mumbling, you know, asking for utensils and things. And then you feel, um, I felt quite a bit of pressure. So don't freak out if this happens to you, because I did slightly, but it, apparently it's completely normal. So typically the baby shot a little bit up into the top of my abdomen when they okay. tried to get her, which was a bit slippery. So what, you, what you'll find you do, a midwife will palpate. So just under your boob, it was under my left boob, they sort of palpate like you're giving someone CPR just to sort of push the baby back down a little bit. And I remember kind of going, oh, 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 what's going on? Uh, and it was like, it's fine, it's fine. We just need to push her down a little bit because she slipped away. But like just a couple of like little CPR pushes. And then he was like, and, and here she comes. And then wow. slipped her out head first and a little head poked over the top of the over the top of the um, screen, they drop it slightly. So you might see a little bit of your own blood, uh, but it's fine. Uh, And I just remember seeing this little baby coming out and he held her up and she had a little umbilical cordon and she's screaming away and she's covered in 
muck. And I'm like, and I remember going, oh God, oh God, oh wow, oh wow. It was just a bizarre, <laughs> amazing feeling. And then they pop the screen up, baby goes away, just to quickly get, you know, wiped up a little bit and just quickly checked. And um, my husband then popped round and you'll be doing this, popped round and cut the cord. Uh, and then a couple of minutes later, they, they popped her on my neck, which is a really weird place to put a baby on a cesarean because you can't do anywhere else. So it, basically, the baby is sort of wrapped oh. around your neck like a scarf. Be prepared okay. for that. Okay. Because you're numb, right? That's why. Right. You're numb and the screen is literally where your, where your tits are. So the, right. the baby is, is sort of put around you like a scarf with, with her little face sort of snuggling into your neck, if that makes sense. It's oh. kind of what Shirley, our dog, does at the moment with Kate anyway. <laughs> There you go. It's perfect. And it's great. And it's a great moment for the two of you. And I, I believe normally the anaesthetists are brilliant because they're sort of done at that point. Like their job is just to keep monitoring you. And our, our anaesthetist, Tim, was amazing. And he was snapping away on the camera phone, taking all of those wonderful shots that you want to capture. And then, Kate, that is, to be honest, that's the boring bit. You just sort of wait there for about t- half an hour whilst they then sew up each layer of you um again you don't feel anything it's all very calm they're chatting away everyone's relieved because the baby is out um everyone you can feel the the, the sort of tension drop it's a lovely experience you know the midwife's faffing around with you and the baby uh the surgeons are just cracking on making sure everything is is tidy and, and 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 dealt with and then you're all sewn up and then you're popped onto another stretcher and then you'll just go back into the recovery ward to um to start motherhood I love it. Great. I love how I love that you've told us all of this. I, I've literally lived that in my it. head. There, yeah. I've just what like how you've described it. I've just seen the whole thing in my head. When I say it's underwhelming, um, having had both births, so I've had the, the the first sort of oh my god, this is almost life and death. Push, push, push! <laughs> you know, get the crash team in. Oh my god, get the faucets. Yank, yank, and it's a boy. You know, oh my god, yeah. it's and she's hemorrhage. Quick, get someone. You know, so I've gone through all of that traumatic drama of having a baby. And then I had Eleonora and it was, it was like being in a yoga class. <laughs> it was like you walk to theatre. So you just, you stroll along to theatre, hand in hand, in your little gown with your bum hanging out. And you get on your little bed, you sit on your bed, you have a little anaesthetic popped in. Everyone's having a chat about their plans for the weekend. Well, they were for me. You then get wheeled in. Ten minutes in, you have a baby that comes out. And you lie, I'm, I am massively like playing this down, but it, but it literally yeah. was for me. And then it's just, it's a really lovely, we could hear the radio. Everyone was just having a little chit chat, you know, and it was, it was a really nice experience. And, and my, my, like I say, I call Enzo my warrior baby and Eleonora my medicine baby because she healed four years of feeling shit about birth. I love that. Amazing. I really love that. In terms of your body, how different is the recovery? The C-section definitely takes longer, but you're very fit, aren't you? You're very fit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm relatively fit. We walk the dogs an hour in the morning every day, so I'm yeah. doing that. I mean, I, I'm no medical expert, but um, <laughs> I believe the fitter you are, the, the easier it can, you know, and, and the, the, hopefully the better it is to, to recover. I'll be honest, um, vaginally, I mean, I, I had a lot of wear and tear on the old, the old nun, um, yeah. but actually recovered fairly quickly. I'd say a couple of weeks later, you know, I, I could sort of happily poo and pee without being terrified like it was it was it was it was okay, okay. um cesarean um obviously uh, well, the best thing is your nun's in perfect condition completely yeah i'm guessing your pelvic floor might have been less of an issue with the c-section definitely less you can still take a bit of a hit though pelvic really? floor because, you, because you're carrying that weight the baby weight you know can't mm. just push down the pelvic floor but this is the other thing as well so you haven't had birth given birth before so when you have a vaginal birth um uh, lochia is is kind of the the, the period the, the blood that 
that you lose after giving birth. It's it's sorry, sorry guys, it's a bit squeamish, but um, it's you lose all of the the waste, all of the the stuff that's that's stuck in your womb comes out okay. like a one big period for a good few weeks. Okay, did not know. Yeah, 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 it's pretty heavy. You, it, it scared me when I first saw it, but it's completely normal. And you wear really big, horrible brick-sized sanitary towels for a good few weeks, sometimes four weeks, sometimes six weeks, until your, your womb has, has essentially cleaned itself out of that pregnancy. When you have a cesarean, they clean your womb through the incision. So a lot of all of that debris has been removed already for you. But you will still bleed. Um, so you will still need to use sanitary towels, like maternity pads. But for me, the experience was far less. I mean, I would say it was about 20% of the blood loss that I had in the vaginal birth. So it's just like the last little bit, you know, clearing itself out. But I would say, so the pain management is really important for the first week after the cesarean. It's like any operation, you know, you've had an incision. It's, you know, it, it can be a bit stingy. Really minimize your movements. That's really, That was the best advice I was given just don't really move that much in the first couple of weeks. She honestly, she whizzes around. I, I would literally tell her to stop. And she goes, yeah, yeah, just after I've, I don't know, done some press-ups and the hoovering. No, come so, on. After I've, had a ba- after I've had the baby, I think I probably will want to just chill you out promise. for a couple of weeks. We're going to hold this podcast as uh, I'm going to play <laughs> this back to you every time you don't listen to me. No, if, if she's not behaving, you send me a message and I will, I will come around and kick you out of ass, girl. Fine, um, fine. Sit, sit down, drink tea, eat biscuits, nurse, and love that baby, do whatever you want to do. You know, it's, it's a really nice time. But also your body will tell you um, if you do too much, you know about it. Your body will go, oh, bloody hell, that's a bit stingy. I mean, by two weeks, two, three weeks, I was pushing the pram, you know, around the village slowly, but, but yeah. you know, definitely pushing the pram around. Oh, no, you know, and I was walking. I mean, you walk out of the hospital, you know, you walk out into the car after you've given birth. It's not power walking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not power walking more more a shuffle yeah uh, but for me it was I'm I really love my exercise as well and actually that was the probably the biggest frustration after the vaginal birth six weeks you have your health check off you go again um I think eight weeks it takes for cesarean uh but there's god no way I was going back to doing any form of exercise because uh it, it hurt basically um yeah. and if I, if I did try and do exercise from 10 12 weeks like gentle exercise yeah uh, but it was very much two steps forward, four steps back with that. I do exercise. I go, oh, this is great. I'm really healing and I feel great now. Uh, and then the next day I'll be like, ow, you know, my abdomen would really ache. It would be stingy. Mm. I'd feel a bit bloated and swollen. So it's definitely a longer process. But in my experience, uh, if I was, was going to have a third, honestly, the jury is genuinely out between would I give it a crack for the vaginal or would I go for C-section? probably the c-section because i found it was a really good experience i was gonna that was my next question if you do because you said you about wanting three kids yeah i want to quickly touch on the stigma around c-section because when i used to say if i ever did it i'd opt for a c-section i felt like people were looking at me as if i'd said when i have a child i'm only feeding them mcdonald's until they're 18 it's big Macs or nothing whereas now i can say Mm. i'd like to have an elective c-section and i don't get i don't get the backlash i used to but i still had friends say to me during my pregnancy about my birth I think you'll change your mind about a C-section as the pregnancy goes on. Or, you know, you should really try giving birth naturally. And this obsession with a natural birth to me feels like as though any birth involving medical intervention is like a fake birth. That's why Mm. I'm really against that word natural, just because Mm. do you think there's still a stigma around it? Yeah, birth is birth. And uh, 
I, I really vehemently agree with that. And I think it is absolutely mm. nobody's business bar the bar the, the woman, even even down, I mean, of course, birth partners, but actually essentially it's your body. You're growing that baby. It is no easy thing to grow a baby and to carry a baby. Every day you're thinking about that little one. Nobody else knows how it feels to feel the little kicks and the mm. worries you eat something and has that damage the baby. You know, nobody else knows, you know, what it's like to carry that pressure around. Um and I I, I know it sounds so cliche that birth is birth, but it really is. I just think however that baby comes into this world as long as that baby comes out healthy and well uh, and the mother is healthy and well then everybody else needs to seriously stick their head back in the sand and mind their own business oh thank you so much for sharing your your stories uh, with us today anna we've really enjoyed hearing about yeah. both births i think you've really put my mind at rest as well because despite the fact that people might think it is the easy option i'm still quite anxious about having a c-section do you know what as much as you can read about this like hearing it firsthand in that kind of detail mm. has really I feel like I'm I'm so much more prepared yeah. for what would happen. I'm almost, oh. is it weird to say I'm excited now? Good. And do you know what, my love? That's the point, right? You may only ever do this once and you want it to be as, without trying to, not, without lording it up there because, you know, we, no, no one ever knows what happens, but you should be excited. And if your decision and your, re, and it is up to you how you want your baby to come out of your body. And mm. then a cesarean is, is, you know, my God, who would choose major surgery, you know, willy nilly? <laughs> Nobody does that. But I've had both. I've had both. It's, you know, I've, I've got the scars on, on, on both, you know, the nun. I've had a episiotomy on the nun. I've had a, a cesarean. Um, I've had both my births. And, and quite frankly, anyone that opinionates over how anyone chooses to give birth seriously I think needs to check themselves because um, they they don't know what people's individual thoughts and feelings are on it and I think what you have done and, and the choice that you have made is absolutely brilliant because it's your decision. I've just got to get the green light now from the NHS. But also just to reassure you on this honestly if you want to have a cesarean you can have a cesarean. A consultant can refuse it but it, you can then ask for a different consultant. Um, ah. If you don't want to give birth vaginally you don't have to and that yeah. is that is the nice guideline, the, and, and, and you can quote it like I quoted it. Anna, you've been an absolute star, and we've really enjoyed hearing about both your birth stories. So thank you so much for being a guest on Maybe Baby. Pleasure, guys. It's such a pleasure. Thanks for asking me on, and seriously, so much love to you. And if ever you need any advice, help, or a friendly shoulder, always, always give me a ring. I love that she says, you know, always give me a ring, but I don't think we have her number. Do no, we? she said, give me a ring anytime. And then she hung up yeah, Zoom, Zoom and never gave us her number. Anna, you're full of shit, babe. No, not really. Only joking. She is so lovely. She messaged on Instagram afterwards. And we've actually been talking for... Um, oh, have you now? Yeah. Friend. <laughs> Pregnancy friend. Internet friend. Yeah. Uh, so she's already given me some um, lovely advice. Anyway, next week we are delving into baby names. Some of the most popular, the weird, the wacky and the downright illegal. Until then, send us your emails to maybebabycast at gmail.com and also leave those reviews on Apple Podcasts so we can shout you out. Big love to LD underscore zero one, Hans Beth Barrett, Sarah number four Rich and Susie Pink Palace. All very traditional what a names. Name. Very traditional baby names those. Yep, Susie Pink Palace. We might nick that. Big in 1998, wasn't it? Susie Pink Palace Lawler. <laughs> it's got a nice ring to it. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Until next week, have a lovely week. We are done. Have a lovely week. We're going to go and watch Junior now. Yeah. Brilliant. Really